Nothing can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord our God. How powerful is that, right? He reigns over us in love. He reigns over us. He is victorious. This is the first time I heard that song. I love that song. That's a great and powerful song. And for a Sunday like this, how can it be any more powerful? It seems to me that we gather every week to hear the good news. Yes? That's why we're here, because all week long we have heard the bad news. I was looking forward to coming this morning uh, so much just to declare his praise after we've had the previous week where we have uh, been devastated by violence and evil to the greatest extent, uh, both in Baton Rouge and in Minnesota and in Dallas. And then this week in Nice and Turkey, all of Turkey, not just the city in Turkey. Bad news. Can I say it again? He reigns victoriously. Nothing can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord, our God. Powerful, powerful statement. Maybe I could remind you to help your prayer for what's going on in the world at the moment. Uh, even Turkey. I trust you're aware that Paul was born and grew up at least in his earlier years in Turkey. That the church that started first to send out missionaries in Antioch was in Turkey. Letters Paul wrote, all the first ones, the first missionary journey he took around Turkey, Ephesus, Galatia, and so on. The letters in the book of Revelation, cities in Turkey. If that does not give you awareness of the need to pray also for them and for Nice, for our own country, and for the world, I don't know what will. I want to begin with a word of prayer. Father, meet with us as we have just exclaimed and declared that you reign victorious. May we know that to be true in our own hearts, in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, those that we are surrounded by as we even pray for the world. May we see clearly your hand. Father, we ask forgiveness when we have cowered away, when we, instead of speaking up for your kingdom, we have shied away and just let things happen. Atrocious and ungodly as they have been, we, you have not found us always shouting out for your love and for your kingdom and for your glory. But Father, for those who are Christians in the places where this rages the most, where your power needs to show it's forced the most. We ask, will you meet with them in extraordinary ways? Even as we ask the same for us, open our hearts even this morning as we open your word 
to listen to your voice. Amen. In Luke chapter 7, there's a story told about Jesus. And I want to read it in a minute. As you find Luke chapter 7, verse 40, let me just say that there is a word that may be the most theoretical word that we know. You're thinking, I'm going to come up with something very extraordinary. It's a simple word, forgiveness. I call it theoretical not because it really is, but because this is a word that we, every one of us has a pretty good grasp of what it means, at least to some extent. I can't use the word and people say, I never even heard it before. Most of us know exactly what we at least think it means. We know that we want it. We know that we need it. We know that we want to extend it to others. We know certainly that we want it extended to us. We know that this is important for a variety of reasons, all kinds of reasons, both in terms of fellowship among people and among nations, among all kinds of things, but it's important even for mental health. Yes? And we still find it so good to talk about and so hard to live. That's why I called it just a theoretical word. It's a great word. Everybody agrees on it and the importance of it. What we learn in this text today, of course, and we're going to get back to that later, also is that forgiveness is directly connected with love. When you truly love, forgiveness flows rather easily, does it not? It's not that hard to forgive people you truly, genuinely love. The ability to give, to forgive, and to experience forgiveness is one of the most necessary things even for human life to function in a positive and useful way. And I think it's one of the areas where most of us kind of struggle. In all kinds of ways, we struggle giving it because we don't always find that those that really need it deserve it. Other people and in other situations, maybe for the same of us, we struggle accepting it and really believing that people truly have forgiven us. We're not really deserving of it. Even God sometimes, can he really forgive that? Then, of course, there's this third kind of way, and that's the way that is almost flippant, where we never really talk about forgiveness, we just use that word. We take it for granted, so to speak. We have a little sentence that expresses that. We say it's easier to get, what, forgiveness than permission. Because we anticipate just getting the permission, and really what we're saying by that, we're not dealing with actual forgiveness. 
Because forgiveness has to do with the restoration of a genuinely broken relationship. But we'll get back to that. Forgiveness is not, and let me just say that in passing, is not when you step someone on the toes and, and you say, so, sorry, can you forgive me? And they say, oh, sure, don't worry about it. That's not forgiveness. That's just saying, okay, I'm sorry. And you use a kind word to express that, as you should. That kind of forgiveness is easy to give and it's easy to receive. But when you have violated someone or someone had violated you to the core of your being, forgiveness is costly. It hurts. Difficult to give. In fact, it costs, as we see even from God's side, it costs life itself. Now, I hope we have found Luke chapter 7. The setting is that Jesus is sitting or semi lying around a table in the house of a Pharisee at a dining situation. And a woman is coming up behind him at the side of his feet and, and washing his feet with oil and tears. And then the, invite, the one who invited the Pharisee called Simon thinks in his own mind, Jesus should have known that she is actually not a good woman but a sinful woman and he should have pushed her away. And Jesus understands his thoughts and says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One, one owed him 500 denarius and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have just correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with, with her tears and wiped them away with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, had not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I've entitled the message this morning, Forgiven and Forgiving. These are two inseparable sides of the same coin. The person who does not feel as if he or she has been forgiven 
really has no forgiveness to give away to anyone else. The one who does not have even the willingness in his or her heart to forgive. They often feel that they themselves do not really have anything that they truly need forgiveness for. I think some of you know stories. There's a lot of kinds of funny stories out there, right? And some of them are being told over and over again. Some of you may have heard this before. Two guys are hanging out, and they're talking about their home life. And so they get to talk about their wives. And one of them said, let me tell you, the other day I I had this kind of a, a heavy fallout, a really confrontational debate with my wife. And, and when that happened, I just kind of hate it when they happen. Every time we get into this kind of hard discussion, she becomes completely historical. And his friend says, you, you mean hysterical? No, I mean completely historical. No, the word is hysterical. She becomes completely historical. She lines up everything I've ever done wrong my whole life. It is all historical. Hmm. Funny story. But still, somewhat telling, it, it stands almost like a contrast. I had a good friend growing up. It seemed that his, his kind of uh, normal response when people were trying to remind him of, of bad things that have happened, and, and he just acted like, I don't remember that. And said, do you really not remember when? And he usually said, The only thing I remember is that I forgot. How different are these two approaches to life, to forgiveness? I mentioned earlier that life, excuse me, forgiveness and love are interconnected. If you have your Bibles open, if you look back in the text, you would see that this story where Jesus is talking about two people, like a quick parable that have been forgiven two different levels of debt. The question comes, which of these do you think love most? And the answer is those who have been forgiven the most. Love and forgiveness are interconnected. And it goes both ways, and I hope you hear this, it goes both ways. The person who does not love cannot forgive. And the other way, the person who does not begin to love when they have been forgiven have not truly accepted the forgiveness. And friends, this lesson is bigger 
than we possibly think of as we just hear this. Love and forgiveness go together. How are we going to ever confront the issues that seems to be daily news these days unless we learn to genuinely love. We spoke about that last Sunday, so I want to highlight the other side this Sunday about when we genuinely love we will be able to genuinely forgive. Just think about it. Can I summarize a verse I think most people know, whether they go to church almost or not, they know you're going to say the Bible in a short way. You say, God so loved the world that he, what? Forgave. That he gave his only begotten son. That he forgave. It was love that sent Jesus to the cross. It was love that made possible your forgiveness before God. It was love that makes your eternal salvation possible. Love and forgiveness cannot ever be separated. The one who does not love cannot forgive. God even forgives because he loves. God so loved the world. And I'm pretty sure, friends, that we know this from our own lives. There are things that we don't have to kind of put that up in the big picture, although sometimes we need to do that to get a bigger and better grasp of what's really going on. But even for our own lives, we know how difficult it is to forgive if you feel you're up against opposition. There are even people who don't care if they forgive or even accept forgiveness. But friends, this is a word of healing. Forgiveness matters. It matters to yourselves. It matters to your surroundings. It Matters, And I'm not saying anything you don't know. It is important, though, to highlight that forgiveness has to do with the reestablishing of broken relationship between people. That's what true forgiveness is. Well, there is no relationship between people, there's not really any point to talk about forgiveness. 
but where people care. Where they care deeply for one another. Where their relationship matters not only on a superficial surface level, but where they truly care for one another. Where life has depth and love and roots and firmness. We live with the necessity of forgiveness. Friends, I hope we hear that. Forgiveness is about reestablishing broken relationships. How do you know when it has happened? It has happened when the distance between people or peoples have been minimized. It has happened when bad feelings have been replaced by warm, loving feelings. It has happened when the experience of distance and indifference have been replaced by love and presence. I need to ask you, how long has it been since you have experienced that in your own life? Maybe I can say, how long has it been since you have asked forgiveness? from someone. As I said last Sunday about love, I'll say the same thing about forgiveness. This is not easy. If it's easy, there probably wasn't much to forgive in the first place. But if you have been violated to the core of your soul, when you feel alienated, not only kind of but truly forgiveness is necessary some of you know I grew up overseas um, and, and so uh, a lot of things are very present in many ways uh, with this let me tell you a story some of you have heard about Corps 10 Boom Second World War um, my, my uh, parents were Big kids, young teenagers. Um, during that time, my, my mother-in-law uh, worked with the Jewish family as, as a child to help out around the home. Denmark was known to be able to smuggle out a lot of, of Jews uh, right from under the feet of the Germans, but it was still very, very, very real. And, and many were taken and sent to to concentration camps, and even those who were non-Jews who had helped them were sent away. So when Corrie Boom's book, The Hiding Place, came out, I read it as a young guy uh, with the greatest interest and read it again, and it was like reading something that grandparents could tell you about. She writes in a place, Corrie Boom, woman from Holland helping to hide people that the Gestapo 
was after. Most riveting, she said. It was at a worship service in Munich that I saw him. He was a former SS officer that used to stand guard at the door to the showers in the, land, in the camp at Ravensbrook. He was the first of the so-called guards that I had seen since then. And suddenly as I saw him, it was like everything was there again. The room filled with men that ridiculed us, large piles of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-scarred face. And as the church was emptying, after the service, he came forward and his whole personality was radiating with a kind of joy. And he bowed and he said, thank you for the message, Fraulein. To imagine that Jesus has washed away all my sin and taken all my guilt. And he stretched his hand out to shake mine. But even while wrath, anger, revenge, everything was flowing through my mind, I recognized my own sinfulness. Jesus died for this man. Who was I to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me forgive him. And so I tried to smile. And while I, I fought to raise my hand, I just couldn't. I felt nothing. Not even a slight spark of warmth or care. I breathed yes, uh, yet another quiet prayer. Jesus, I prayed, I can't forgive him. Grant me your forgiveness. And when I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, down through my arm, out in my hand, it was like a current went from me to him. And suddenly, my heart was beating with a love that jumped from my heart to him. It overwhelmed me. And it was then, it was then that I discovered that the healing of this world cannot happen or cannot be created by our own goodness or whatever level of forgiveness we can bring. It requires his, God's forgiveness. And when he tells us that we should love our enemies, he gives, along with the commandment, the love to do it. Now, she wrote this decades and decades ago. How powerful 
is that today? Uh -huh. I want you to notice one more thing. The last thing we want to see in this text this morning. There's a connection not only between forgiveness and love, but there's a talk also here about the prerequisite, if you will, for forgiveness. Jesus is highlighting, underscoring the need for repentance. The relationship here between repentance and forgiveness. To repent means that you realize that you have made a mistake. You have done something wrong and you need forgiveness. That's why repentance always precedes our salvation. The one who does not repent of his sin, who does not realize his mistakes, or sin if you want to say that, toward God, does not experience his or her need for forgiveness and therefore will not come to experience the saving power of God. But I want you to notice what happens right here with this that Jesus is saying here, Simon, look at this woman. She has done everything that you have not done. Why? Because she experiences her need for forgiveness. And because of that, she is able to love much. She can both receive and give forgiveness. Simon's self-righteousness have made him blind. The field, if you will, of his life may have been ridded of too many weeds, but with that, he's also gotten rid of everything else. So he looked dry and arid and lifeless. He may have gotten rid of most of the weeds, but with that, he had also taken care and gotten rid of all the flowers. Please hear this. I think Jesus may have looked at it this way. The, the woman had a rich and fertile soil and everything grew wild in that soil. Poisonous plants, all kinds of weed, shut up everywhere. As a dark and somber reminder of the need to get cleaned up and weeded out, if you will. But her field was not without beauty. <clears throat> Genuine, beautiful plants grew there as well, as this story shows us. Friends, Jesus speaks to us in this parable in the strongest way, really. Take a look at your soul. Like I needed to do also as I was preparing this. Be careful that your 
lack of ability to see your own need for genuine forgiveness does not lay your life waste or bare, even without beauty. Simon didn't feel that he needed any forgiveness. He was righteous. And because he didn't feel the need to be forgiven, he was unable to be forgiving. So how is the soil of your life? Simon's was trampled hard. So hard that there was far between the weeds, but even further between the flowers. I think, friends, the best, the best way to live in this message, with this message, is to use Jesus as a mirror. Mirror yourself in him and you will know your need for forgiveness. Forgiven and forgiving cannot be separated. Only the one who experiences his or her own need to be forgiven will be able to forgive. And even beyond that, able to receive forgiveness and give your life depth, warmth, qualities that you knew not existed in your life promise from our Lord is that he will do that to you as you come to him. And as you do, he will open up that heart. He will till that soil. He will make it deep, warm, and fruitful, fertile, that you can bring forgiveness to others. Think of this world. Every time you open these newspapers, every time you open the channels, imagine if people around, beginning with you and me, had used Jesus as a mirror and say, I want to be in the business of forgiveness. Father, would you allow us to hear not just with our minds, but with our heart. Just to not just accept these statements as, as true in a theoretical way, but we think of them and know them in our heart as being revelations from God. As we read your word, Father, as we see what you say, may we never skate over it as unattainable. Drive us back to the cross 
where we see our own need for forgiveness. And may that be the springboard for how we share that same love and forgiveness wherever we go. We ask for reconciliation in our own hearts with you, in our families, between one another, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and even beyond that, Father, in our nation and in our world. We need you like we have never needed you before. Now speak. Amen. Friends, I'm going to ask you to stand. And the invitation is open. Some of you are wondering, is there a fellowship of Christians I can be a part of? Well, we can experience that kind of love and forgiveness. We want to invite you to be part of this fellowship as we walk with the Lord as he leads us. Some of you may think, I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't know that in my heart. If that's it, you need to come and meet with the Lord. We'll be happy to talk to you more about it, pray with you, and introduce you to a living relationship with our Lord and Savior. Some of you may think, I know all that, but I really need to rededicate my life. It's not sufficient that I just know things. I need to live it out. However the Lord speaks to you, don't overhear it. Act on it.